I'm a little bit slow today. I tore my Achilles, but there's a, there's a gentleman in the Bible, Jacob. He wrestled with God, and he came away limping too, but he was still rejoicing. So I'm going to try that today as well. Well, it's great to be here, and uh, speaking of good tunes, on to that ladies' retreat, who listens to life? Oh, yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Northview. We love, we love churches like you guys, and it is a, a pleasure to be here on behalf of the radio station. I am uh, well familiar with this area. I grew up just outside of Bridge North on a farm. I was raised at Gilmore Baptist, just north of here, and I went to Adam Scott, also down the street. So lots of connections to Northview and the ministry that you was just shared about in, in kids. It's one of the reasons why I was so excited when Steve Bradley said, hey, could you fill in for me this Sunday to speak? And I said, absolutely, I'd love to come to Northview. It's a beacon of light in a city. So thank you for what you do. Well, the year was 1993. The Toronto Blue Jays had just won a second straight World Series. Brian Mulroney was Prime Minister, and the CRTC, the Canadian Radio, Television, and Broadcasting Telecommunications, were in the middle of a fresh debate on whether religious broadcasting should be permitted in Canada. Let me back this up for you a little bit. Uh, Radio was first broadcast to the Canadian public in the 20s, the 1920s. Initially, radio licenses were granted for religious broadcasters, But by 1932, this was phased out. And the reason for this was the CRTC didn't want one denomination to be favored over another. And they feared that there might be this one-sidedness of world issues over these broadcasters. By the 1950s, television came into the fold in Canada. And to be clear, there were still religious programs that were permitted, just not full-on broadcasters. So... In 1977, for example, David Maines launched 100 Huntley Street, Canada's first Christian TV show, and that's still going strong. But by 93, the question of balance was raised at a CRTC hearing when a little girl famously came forward. She said, how come my friends can listen to their favorite music, but I can't listen to mine? From that moment on, the future of religious broadcasting in Canada has been forever changed. And licenses have been granted, like the one that ours has at Life 100.3, 89.3 in Peterborough. You know, it's amazing how one person's actions could have a multiplying impact all these years later. If you follow Jesus, you should be familiar with this kind of ripple effect. Whether it's Billy Graham preaching to a record crowd at the Rogers Center, or your former pastor, Scott Cooper, starting a homeless ministry here in Peterborough, or Jesus Christ himself, you know that receiving the message of God's love quickly turns into you wanting to share that. And so this morning, through the lens of religious media, I want us to consider where it is we're to take this message. So please turn with me in your Bibles. We're going to have it on the screen. Oh, we're already there. Perfect. You guys are on the ball at Northview. Uh, Romans chapter 10, verses 12 to 17. That's where we're going to be camped out. So you can follow along on the screen as we read. And I'm reading from the NIV. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? 
And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Uh, This is the word of the Lord. Would you join me in a quick word of prayer? Father, we thank you so much for this morning. Lord, we love you because you first loved us. You poured out your love to us through the person of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for this body of believers that is a light to this city and beyond. And we thank you, Lord, that you reveal yourself to us more and more. And we seek you. We thirst for you. Lord, the heavens declare your glory. The skies proclaim the work of your hands. Help us to see more clearly this morning where we're to take this message that you've given us, the transforming love of Jesus Christ. It's in his beautiful name that we pray. Amen. Can't reach down quite as far as I'm used to. Wonderful. Well, missionaries have preached this text in Romans for centuries. Uh, It's maybe familiar to you, and it falls in the Apostle Paul's most famous book, Bible scholars widely refer to Romans as the greatest letter ever written, and there is some Bible scholars in this room for masters that I'm sure could attest to that. Uh, Paul's argument is strong, his writing is convincing, and this morning we're not skimping out. Paul is going to dish out to us the top meal from his menu, so I hope you brought your appetite. Where do we take the message of God's love, and how do we spread it? Well, In order to answer this, we have to determine who the recipient is, who's the recipient of this message, uh, what the terms and conditions of the message are, if there's any urgency to sharing it, and how we're to respond, okay? Sound okay? So how we do that. So the recipient of this message, Paul addresses this letter of Romans. He says in Romans 1, to all in Rome who are loved by God, and called to be his holy people. So that's the recipient of this letter, Christians. But the recipient of God's message is spelled out at the beginning of our passage in Romans 10, 12. It's both Jew and Gentile. And Paul said the same thing earlier in, the cha- in this letter back in chapter 3. Uh, and the reason he puts it like this is because he's writing to primarily a Jewish audience. And from their standpoint, you're either a Jew or a non-Jew, right? You're either in the city of Peterborough or outside. And so Paul's making it clear to us, just like in the song we sang, that through the storm, the Lord is all, the Lord is the Lord of all, that this message of God's love is for all people. And to you and me, this should seem kind of obvious, right? But considering who God's intended recipient was previously, this is actually quite radical, It was quite radical. A a quick scan of your Old Testament, and you can see that Israel was God's chosen people. And anyone opposed to them were considered God's enemies. It was uh, very much an us versus them. Yet with Jesus coming, he expanded this tent. More invitations were suddenly in the mail and to addresses outside of Israel. And Paul elaborated on these changed parameters when he wrote in Galatians saying that in Christ Jesus, 
There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one. Now, it was Jesus who ushered in this change, but a God who so loved the world, this wasn't a new idea, by no means. The passage that we're flowing out of in the previous chapter, Paul shows us by citing Old Testament verse after Old Testament verse that God always planned to bring the Gentiles, probably most, if not all of us, into his kingdom. This is always in the cards. So, for example, in Romans 9, 24 and 25, Paul writes, Even us, whom he also called, not only from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles. As he says in Hosea, I will call them my people who are not my people, and I will call her my loved one who is not my loved one. This is part of what makes Romans such a masterpiece. It's how Paul argues. He corrects them using their own rule book. He will always make a point and then reinforce it with an Old Testament verse. This is why Romans, the book of Romans, used to be a case study at Harvard University. Paul is brilliant. He also brings up a ton of more Old Testament verses on the Gentiles at the end of Romans 12 and later in chapter 15. It's undeniable that the Gentiles were always going to be included as people who could experience God's love, that we would always be in God's plan to be here on this very day. And now through Jesus, this is a reality. God desires for all of us to open up the envelope with our invitation inside. And just like in any agreement, with the invitation, there are some terms and conditions, right? Perhaps the clearest way to understand these terms and conditions is by what they're not, you know, process of elimination. And if we back up a little bit in Romans 10, in the fourth verse, it says that, Paul says, Christ is the culmination of the law, so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes, Now, the previous conditions for receiving God's love were essentially to follow the law. And you see, before Christ, God revealed the law through the person of Moses, hence the Mosaic law. And these laws, they were brought in kind of like a a sin detector. They were used to help detect if any of your actions were disobedient to God. And so following these laws became a big part of following God. The problem was these standards were way too high way too high. And the law revealed that the people of Israel were sinning continuously. And this separated them from God, right? There was a a huge disconnect. And that's where Jesus came in. He died on the cross as a perfect offering for our sins once and for all. And this satisfied God's wrath, taking what was intended for us and turning it away. And in doing so, Jesus signaled a new way for how we could have peace with God. It no longer became about trying to live up to the law. Instead, to accept the sacrifice of Jesus, this offering, is to exercise faith that it was enough. So the condition of receiving God's love, it's not doing good deeds, right? You know that. Every other religion will tell you that, though. Even people who aren't religious, they will say something along these lines, that their actions should guarantee them a golden ticket to heaven. 
And you know that these are a lot of really decent people, right? Some are upstanding, but they're not at peace with God. They're not at peace with God. And what's to say, if they're not at peace with God on this earth, that they will be in heaven? Nothing. Jesus said in John 1.12 that those who receive his love and become children of God are those who believed in his name. And Paul said in Romans 10.9, just before our passage, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The only way to be at peace with God is through faith in the sacrifice of Jesus. So back to Romans 10.4. Paul says Christ is the culmination of the law. Some of your translations might say the end of the law. That word in Greek is telos, which means the end of a matter, either in termination or in purpose. So the law all pointed to Jesus, the end. It pointed to Jesus so that this invitation could be reached to more people. As Paul says at the end of the verse, Christ is the end of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. This is good news. So the intended recipient of God's love is everyone who will hear it. Anyone. The condition to receive it is faith in the finished work of Jesus. That's it. Then, as we continue on in our passage, in Romans 10, 14, Paul's writing style really changes. And you don't need to be a a scholar or a seminary professor to notice this. He, He breaks out in four rhetorical questions. It's unlike anywhere in any of his letters in the New Testament. It's like he goes from a defense lawyer cross-examining to a spoken word rapper. The message is still the same though, isn't it? And it's just sort of waking us up if we've been dozing off reading through Romans. Some, some heavy, dense stuff you've got to get through. Now, notice the first question here. It, it links back to this intended recipient. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How then can they, anyone, Jew or Gentile, call on the one they have not believed in? So Gentiles are Paul's primary ministry, those who don't have a Jewish background. We've established that. And what he's doing with these questions is he's opening our eyes. He's opening the people that would read this letter's eyes of the need for this message to be heard for the first time. That's what he's doing here. He's trying to, he's challenging these, these preconceptions. Now, the second question Paul asks, he says, How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And this actually raises a deeper question, I'm sure one that, that you've had to confront at some point in your life. And that is, what about those who will never hear? What about those who will never hear? Today, About 2,200 languages still don't have the Bible. Did you know that? 2,200. What about them? It doesn't seem fair that we would be the ones in the sanctuary this morning. Like, why us? And I think as we confront this sensitive topic, we have to first step back and remember that God is unchanging. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what that means is if we really believe that God is a God of justice, just as he is a God of love, our God can't act in a way that is 
just in one circumstance and unjust in another, right? He can't be loving to you and unloving to you. That wouldn't be true of who he is, of his character. And how this justice plays out, Paul explains actually back in the beginning of this letter in Romans. He says that there is enough knowledge of God in creation that we're without excuse for not believing in him. And Paul goes on to say several times in this letter that we're all broken. All of us are in need of a way to get to God. So in Romans 5.18, Paul says that because of Adam and Eve's trespass, because of that scene in the garden when they picked that forbidden fruit, because of their sin, we've all been condemned. And I think this is where the urgency of this message comes into play, right? We're all in that state. And this is where John 3.16, too, says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish. Like, that's our trajectory apart from Christ. But Paul goes on to say in Romans 5, that it is by one righteous act, it resulted in justification and life for all people. The rest of John 3.16 is that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. This is the cure to our broken state. But it's first realizing that left to ourselves, our brokenness makes it impossible to be in relationship with God. It just can't happen. And so I would argue that this barrier of brokenness is at the heart of missions. It's at the heart of wanting to share the good news. And it gives us even more reason to tell of the one who they have not heard. Now Paul's third question, yeah, amen. Paul's third question in this series is, how can they hear unless someone preaches to them? Notice it doesn't say how can they watch or how can they read, but how can they hear? I think if Paul were living today, I'd wager that he would be partial to radio. That's just, that's just my read. At Life 100.3, We've done several movie tours over the years. Uh, we take a Christian movie to different churches across central Ontario, and it's become protocol for us to ask the pastor to, at the end of the night, after the movie's done, to come and say a prayer. And I recall this one event. It was at a church in Orangeville, actually a sister church of yours. And the pastor, before saying the prayer, he asked if anyone in the audience would like to receive Jesus. And if I remember right, I don't think anyone did. But I was really struck by his boldness. And afterwards, he told me that one time when he was a youth pastor, at the end of a night, he had one of his youth come up to him and ask, how do I receive Jesus? And this pastor said that since that point on, he's always been intentional at any event at church to put the invitation out. There is an urgency to share. There is an urgency to share the message of God's love. We need this. Now, we've already established that it's through faith in Christ's finished work on the cross, through his sacrifice, that we receive God's love. But how does this play out? Like, like what are the pieces involved in this message being transmitted? Well, Paul says in verse 17 in this passage, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Just like with supply chains, it's been in the news a lot lately, right? Each link is important in the chain. Each link is important. 
Faith comes from hearing the message. What is the message? Well, back in verse 9, Paul describes it, and this is a well-known verse, as God raising Jesus from the dead and that making Jesus Lord. That's the message. And maybe a fuller description of, of this message comes at the end of Paul's first letter to the church at Corinth when he says that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, he was buried, and he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Right? Classic Paul. Everything is according to the Scriptures. But he's right. If it's not, then there's a a disconnect because all of the Bible points to Jesus. The end of the law. All of the Bible points to Jesus. The word about Christ in verse 17 is just another way of saying the Bible. Cut the Bible anywhere and it will bleed. That's what the late American pastor Adrian Rogers said. And how about the message? How about the response that comes from it? Well, I find it amazing that because God is sovereign, right? That means he's in control of everything. Even though he's sovereign, he doesn't diminish our human response. Isn't that just a baffling thing to think about for a second? All powerful in control, and yet he's given you the option here. (laughs) He doesn't force it on anyone to spend eternity with them. It's up to you. It's your call. And here's the other amazing thing. You're also included in this message transmission in being his mouthpiece. Faith comes from hearing. Someone has to be the human agent. Now, have you ever noticed that if you're to read throughout your Bible, it's only humans who preach? Yeah, angels come on the scene sometimes, but the job of sharing this message of preaching, it's restricted to us. And that's empowering, isn't it? That our all-powerful God wants to use you and me to share the message of his love. Paul quotes in Isaiah, in verse 15 of this Romans passage, he says, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. In that original scripture, Isaiah goes on to say that all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. And Jesus later told his disciples that when the Holy Spirit comes on them, that they will be his witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That is where we're invited to be part of, to be witnesses, to be Christ's witnesses in taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. Since God's intended recipient is anyone who will hear, Jew and Gentile, We're to take the message of his love, the good news of Jesus, everywhere, to the ends of the earth. That's exciting. And we spread it by sharing this message effectively. Okay, so part of sharing it effectively is understanding it well, and we've we've talked about that a bit this morning. The other part is reaching as many people as possible. All right, the ends of the earth. And I would argue that through modern innovation, Media, this has been an amazing method up until now, and it should continue to be so. So let me take you back in time again. In the 1400s, there was a guy named Johannes Gutenberg, and he introduced the world to the printing press. He was a German, and this invention made it possible so that for the first time, books could be mass-produced at a relatively low cost. This was, this was groundbreaking. 
Then, in the next century, in the 1500s, another Jew named Martin Luther became the first best-selling author. Like, this is before the New York Times had their list. And you probably know his part of his story. After nailing his 95 theses to initiate the Reformation, just weeks later, this document of Luther's, it became printed by the thousands. The printing press became instrumental in changing the landscape of Christianity. Previously, Bibles were left to priests only, but through the Reformation's push and the printing press, Bibles became widely available to the rest of us. That's why we're here right now. And I could go on. Like in the early 2000s, almost 500 years after, a California pastor, Rick Warren, would write a book, The Purpose Driven Life, and it has sold over 33 million copies in the world, the best-selling Christian book of all time. And then the Bible, it's in a league of its own. Over 5 billion copies of the Bible have been distributed around the world. This all stems back to the printing press. Radio, too, has been instrumental in sharing the message of God's love further. In 1922, evangelist Paul Rader decided that radio wasn't a device of the devil, but could be used to help multiply a man's ministry. He famously said, at last, we're going to fight Satan in his own territory, the air. Today, in 2022, Life 100.3 has been broadcasting Christian content 24-7 for almost 25 years. And I've got a brief video to show you if we can get it queued up. Hey, I'm Steve Jones, General Manager of Life 100.3. It's hard to believe, but Life 100.3 has been broadcasting in central Ontario for over two decades. We have had DJs come and go, music styles and artists change in popularity, but one thing remains the same, the impact that this ministry has had in central Ontario and beyond. However, when COVID-19 arrived and turned the world upside down, we as Christians had a choice to make. Do we panic and lose heart? Or do we trust in the promises of the Bible? Would we chase after that peace that passes beyond understanding that Philippians 4 talks about? Do we really trust God with our families, our jobs, and even our lives? Our pastors have done such an amazing job of being creative to find new ways to help remind us what the Bible says about all of these questions. And once you leave the service, online or in person, Life is honored to keep sharing that message through the music and the teaching programs. You've probably been surprised at how often God can use a song to speak to your immediate situation. It has been an absolute privilege to spread the message of hope and peace through Jesus on the radio. So I think I have a really unique perspective at Life 100.3 because I've been on both sides of the speakers. I've been a longtime listener of Life and I get to work out Life. And I think I'm kind of becoming a bit of a veteran here on the morning show, getting the hang of it. But one of the things that I loved seeing is how life has changed lives. I could get really excited about this because in a world that everything has changed, Life 100.3 hasn't changed. The content on air hasn't changed. The personalities, the DJs that are on air haven't changed. Uh, what we do every single day, the mission of Life 100.3 has stayed the same and that's because of the listeners and the support that they've given us. I love listening to Life in the morning and throughout the day. It's just such an encouragement. It reminds me that I have to rely on God. It reminds me that he's in control and it gives me an opportunity to worship him. We listen to life every day 
we support life, we love life. Hi, I'm Crystal Martin, Promotions Manager, and I had the privilege of being in the studio when Life signed on the air for the first time. That was an amazing day. At that time, we were just a Barry station, but the great thing is that over the years, we've been able to not only add repeater stations, but we're able to use technology to share the message of Jesus even further. Today, you can listen to Life on your clock radio and in your car, but also through our web player or smartphone app, and even by asking your smart speaker. We're here to encourage you, however you listen. Okay, Google, play Life 100.3. Streaming Life 100.3 from TuneIn. Awesome. Yeah, God is good, and for the record, we work in radio, not TV, so that was totally okay. We're not used to being in front of the camera so much. Uh, but today, by God's grace, we're in Barrie, Owen Sound, Peterborough here, Huntsville, Newmarket, and the GTA. And the last time we did ratings, we learned that we have 65,000 different listeners. Now, that's significant, but with a possible reach in the millions, I mean, there's a lot of people in the GTA, with a possible reach in the millions, how do we reach more? In 2020, I launched a podcast that's evolved into a radio show called Culture to Crossroads, and it airs on our station and other stations across the country each weekend. And the purpose of this is to better equip Christians to follow Jesus in Canada at this moment. My interview-style show has featured conversations with high-profile Canadians like Beverly McLaughlin, Lisa LaFlamme, and Conrad Black, to name a few. And it was our former premier, Kathleen Wynne, who asked the question, why do these kinds of conversations not happen more often? With such an important message to share, our effectiveness to share it will in some ways be limited to how well we know our audience. We're left with one final question in Paul's spoken word spit here. And he says, how can anyone preach unless they are sent? By my best biblical interpretation, I believe this is referring to those on the sidelines cheering on the preachers and the mobilizers. And of course, we're all sent, right? Jesus said all authority had been given to him and that we're to go and make disciples of all nations. But I'm sure I'm not the only one who can take for granted what Jesus has done in my life. And this is why we need to spur each other on and we also play a role in helping to fuel the flame of our faith. Yes, God sends each of us, but we also help to direct one another. You know, from the outset, I mentioned that in 1977, David Maines launched Canada's first Christian TV program, 100 Huntley Street. Years before, it was clear that God had a special anointing on David's life. It seemed like whatever church he was brought to, the congregation grew exponentially. This is well documented. And I'm sure that some of you are aware here today that Canada's pastor attended Bible college just down the street at what is known today as Master's College and Seminary. And even when David was a student, it was clear that he had a gift. He was sent out almost every Sunday to preach and shepherd churches across Ontario. It was clear that this guy had a gift. One evening, the young David Maines was back at Master's, and at the time, and I I believe it still is the case, there is a prayer room for the students, and there's a male side and a female side. And so David went to the prayer room, and he, he knelt down, and as he began praying, he couldn't help but overhear someone say his voice, sorry, someone say his name. 
and it was a girl on the other side. And he listened as she poured out her heart for David Maines. And in that moment, he realized that he was the only one of his students that was going out Sunday after Sunday, but he wasn't going out alone. All of his fellow students were praying for him. They had helped to send him. This morning, I want to remind you that we can join God in sending preachers, in sending missionaries, and in sending each other across Peterborough, across central Ontario, and beyond. Where we take the good news of Jesus is the ends of the earth because God's intended recipient is anyone who will call on the name of the Lord. Let's continue to utilize media to share his message far and wide, for we know that God's word does not go out void.